0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Creating a Family. Talk about infertility and adoption. We're a weekly radio show podcast, and to make sure you automatically hear about each episode, you can sign up to our RSS feed either at iTunes or on the radio page of our site, creatingafamily.org. slash radio. Or you can go to whatever your podcast directory is that you use for your phone or your tablet or your iPod or whatever. Today's show will be on integrative medicine and its its use with infertility. I am Dawn Davenport, the director of Creating a Family. We're a nonprofit providing education and support for both infertility and adoption. And you can find us online at creatingafamily.org. The Creating a Family radio show is underwritten by our corporate sponsor, Faring Pharmaceutical. Faring has a Heart Plus Pharmacy Savings Card, which helps patients, both cash-paying and insured, save money on their fertility medications. To get more information on the Heart Plus Pharmacy Savings Card, you can talk to your doctor or you can visit the Faring website at faringfertility.com heart. If you have enjoyed any of our shows or this show and want to help us grow, please rate this podcast on iTunes. Uh, It's very easy to do. If you have iTunes on your computer, you just type in the words creating a family and it will come up and you will see the uh, box that allows you to rate it. And if you have an extra minute, please leave a comment. It actually is very helpful in spreading the word because that's what iTunes, which is the largest podcast directory, is. That's how they uh, uh, make their decisions on which podcast to recommend. We are the top podcast and radio show in the areas of infertility uh, and adoption, actually, and we'd like to stay there. So I would be very appreciative of the effort it would take you to do that. So thanks. I blog on topics of interest to those involved with uh, either infertility or adoption. I blog three times a week. Uh, and a blog you might enjoy was today's blog, which uh, I asked uh, if there should be an age limit on fertility treatment. And we talk about some of the issues to consider there, and it's been interesting. So please join in the discussion at creatingafamily.org slash blog. This show, as well as all the resources provided by our nonprofit, could not happen without the generous support of our gold sponsors, including... Cryos International. They are a New York sperm bank and part of the world's largest international network of sperm banks. We also have Nightlight Christian Adoptions. They were the pioneers of the first embryo donation program called Snowflakes. They have had well over 260 babies uh, born with the assistance of their Snowflakes embryo adoption program. As you just heard, we're a nonprofit. Duh! And one of the ways we pay our bills is through our wonderful sponsors who believe in our mission of bringing you unbiased, medically accurate information and supporting you on whatever your path is to achieving parenthood. And one way you can help us is by supporting those who support us. Now, you've just heard about a few of our gold sponsors, but we also have other sponsors as well. So if you're looking for an uh, infertility clinic or a sperm bank or a infertility therapist or a donor or a surrogacy agency, please make your first stop to Creating a Family databases on the service provider page of our site. You can search by location services provided, uh, uh, credentials of the doctors, and things such as that that we think are important. Uh, and by choosing and by using these databases, you support those who support us, and we thank you. On today's Creating a Family show, we'll be talking about integrative medicine, and we'll be talking with Dr. Carmelo Scarlotta. He is a reproductive endocr- endocrinologist and the director of integrative medicine at Reproductive Science Center of the Bay Area. He has offices in San Jose and San Ramon, California. Welcome, Doctor Scarlotta, to creating a family. Thank
2: you very much, Don. Good morning.
1: Okay. I, I need I need a little help here with the language. How what do you exactly do we mean by integrative medicine and, and more importantly, how does it differ from complementary medicine and alternative medicine or alternative treatment and complementary treatment?
2: Well, it's a wonderful question because there's certainly a lot of confusion about the term. So one of the ways I like to think of integrative medicine um, is it's taking the best of what we call Western or allopathic medicine and combining it with those complementary and alternative treatments that have evidence-based medicine for safety and effectiveness. So when we define complementary medicine, we usually think about a group of very diverse and medical care systems, things such as traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, acupuncture, mind-body techniques, uh, supplements, herbs, probiotics. When you look at alternative medicine, alternative medicine is usually considered using treatments other than conventional medicine, the allopathic Western medicine model, and using things that are not necessarily either proven or approved. So uh, an example would be from many, many years ago, Laetrile, which was a supplement that was used for cancer treatment, which is unfortunately an alternative therapy that didn't work.
1: Okay. And so uh, integrative and complementary, it, it, would they be similar or uh, meaning similar. the same? They're
2: Integrative really takes the complementary approach a bit different. So what it's doing is it's it's really taking a, a partnership with the patient and the physician and really, the integrative model wants to focus on the whole person, recognizing the interactions of the person's mind, body, spirit, their community, as well as what is the best of Western allopathic medicine and the complementary treatments available for that patient.
1: One of the things that I heard you say was evidence based, uh, Eastern medicine. I think you said Eastern, evidence based. Western medicine.
2: Uh, Western medicine.
1: Oh, but, and, and well, maybe I misunderstood you then. Mm -hmm. Um, is the idea to take uh, the the Western approach and combine it with uh, uh, certain aspects of uh, the Eastern approach. And that may not be the Eastern, may not be the correct word to use there. Uh, I think
2: what we want to say is rather than Eastern or Western, we can say kind of we use the term allopathic, which is typically called Western medicine or what we know as modern medicine and eastern certainly you could say is a way of looking at it but the complementary treatments come from a variety of different um okay. areas if you would what integrative medicine wants to look at is it wants to look at the best of conventional modern medicine as well as those complementary treatments that are available that have shown evidence of both safety and effectiveness
1: okay and, and so we're looking for complementary treatments that uh, have evidence um, of effectiveness, right? Correct. And one
2: thing to keep in mind, and this often startles people, a lot of so-called Western or modern medicine treatments don't necessarily have high-quality scientific evidence for either their safety or effectiveness.
1: That's so, such a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I think it's always important to keep that in mind, that a lot of things that are used in medicine um, there's not always the best scientific evidence. A lot of it is empiric or based on observation, as is a great deal of the complementary and alternative medicine treatments available
1: and And we pride ourselves in the whether we should or not we um for applying in medicine for applying uh the scientific approach and and utilizing only the treatments for which there has been evidence to support it so why is it that and I don't know that infertility is particularly worse than this, but why is it that that some of the treatments in infertility don't have this robust science uh, uh, background uh, scientific proof background.
2: Well, I think there's a number of factors. I'll give you one simple example: acupuncture. How do you really design a study with a placebo and acupuncture?
1: Well, um, wait a second before we do that, because I do want to come. Mm-hmm. That you're, you're you are exactly what I where I was aiming, but mm-hmm. but. I was, before you do that, I was thinking in terms of the allopathic or what we might call modern or Western medicine. You were saying some of that approach does not have evidence uh, of effectiveness. Um, Why are some of the, uh, before we move to talking about acupuncture, why, why are some of the Western medical approaches or the allopathic medical approaches not supported by evidence. I mean, that's that seems contrary to what uh, uh, Western medicine, modern medicine, is all about.
2: Understood. Well, one of the biggest issues uh, is, is trying to come up with a good research model. Um, an example I can give you that will be similar to acupuncture is many times uh, when supplements have been looked at or traditional me- medicine, it's difficult to get patients to enroll in a placebo or non-active treatment approach. Fertility Mm -hmm. patients obviously very much want to be receiving treatment that they believe will lead them to a successful pregnancy. So trying to get patients in a randomized clinical trial where they might be placed in a placebo or non-treatment group is often a great barrier to being able to do the evidence-based medicine that we would love to have. Um, Yeah,
1: that makes good sense.
2: In, in many patients, yeah. because of age and their previous treatments, really don't want to wait on a research protocol or a study. They want to go into therapy where there is a hope that it may be helpful.
1: Okay. Now moving to talking about some of the um, complementary treatments. We've done a number of shows on uh, various, uh, various complementary or, or even alternative uh, treatments, and and one of the things that there was a i was a couple of years ago out of a, uh, I think it was Boston IVF had done a large study on the effectiveness of acupuncture and that there well may have been some some subsequent studies that uh but uh I was uh eagerly anticipating the re, the release of that uh, of that study and and we scheduled a show and one of the things that was said was that it is so diff- if I'm, if memory serves and 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 I would like for you to correct this if it's not um the that study at least did not find a uh, did not find that acupuncture was effective at increasing pregnancy rates when utilized along with i d f and but one of the things that came out when we were discussing that was the difficulty of trying to design a western study uh Using all the controls that are necessary for that, uh, with something like acupuncture. So, what does the current, what is the current research showing right now for acupuncture?
2: Well, I think you you really hit the the nail on the head that it is so difficult to design a well done study. Many people have tried to do further studies um, and and run into similar roadblocks. I think the way that I summarize to my patients the literature on acupuncture is there are a number of well-done studies from good groups. Some show significant improvements in pregnancy rates with IVF. Um, One group, one of the early reports, was up to a 65% improvement in implantation. And other groups have shown no significant improvement in either implantation or pregnancy rates. If I remember correctly the study you're talking about from Boston, while they did not see an improvement in pregnancy rates, um, they did see much greater improvement in um, patient satisfaction scores and patients yes. felt they had greater control and reduced stress during their IVF cycle, which is obviously a great benefit.
1: Yes. No, if, if and, and, again, memory may or may not serve in my, my case, but, yeah, that's how I remembered it as well. Now, of the studies you have, you said some uh, well-done studies show an increase of pregnancy rate up to 60%, and others show no significant improvement uh, when both of those would be w- when utilized, when acupuncture is utilized with IVF. Was there a difference between the size of the studies, uh, you know, where that, that uh, one was significantly larger, or were they pretty uh, uh, equal as far as when you're looking at trying to evaluate which study to, to follow? Looking at the size
2: of the studies, they vary. Uh, you know, in Many of the studies are very similar in patient population and numbers. Remember, with IVF, especially when you're doing acupuncture, you do not not have a homogeneous population. Patients going through IVF have a lot of different problems. It may be an ovulatory factor. It may be diminished ovarian reserve, male factor. So it's hard to design a pure study in acupuncture where you have one parameter of cause of fertility, one age group. Um, and, And that's where one of the problems comes in many of the Western studies also is you really have a lot of variation in the patient population that's going through a treatment. So you know, I think that we struggle with the acupuncture issue from the Western standpoint to say, is there good, solid, evidence-based medicine? And my response would be is there's fair to good evidence, but it's not high-quality Class A evidence at this time.
1: Is there any downside? I mean, uh, other than money, and, and, and any time we talk about fertility treatment, we would be remiss not to at least mention that money is a huge issue, and uh, and I'm going to ask you in a minute about insurance coverage. But um, other than, than the monetary, is there any disadvantage from trying acupuncture? I
2: think there's absolutely no disadvantage, and I think there may be advantages beyond that. Uh, clearly, if you talk to patients who have acupuncture the vast majority of my patients that have acupuncture sessions feel extremely relaxed. They many times fall asleep during their acupuncture treatment. Um, it's like their 30 to 60-minute spa time. So it's a, it's a great, relaxing, stress-reducing treatment. And it puts patients in a better sense of control of their life
1: you know, I I and that's not to be a a small factor, that's a big factor. The feeling that okay, I am doing everything I possibly can, um, and I am taking control and and, and going above and beyond and, and I I do think that, that uh just from a psychological standpoint, um and, and you know, in a way, even if the even if treatment fails, psychologically knowing that you gave it your best shot, so to speak, um I think it helps people who then are having to make the decisions, do they want to move up the ladder to to, to uh, whatever the next step might be for them, donor egg, donor embryo, or if they want to take the alternative path of, of adoption, having known that they gave it their best shot makes it easier on some level, I think, to do that.
2: Absolutely. Again, it gives patients a sense of, of some control in a process where they often feel very out of control.
1: Yeah, um, all right, now, but going back to cost, and uh, it, it, it just as a general rule, and there's nothing general. Let's be honest about insurance. But have you found that insurance will uh, cover insurance that already covers fertility? Let's let's separate that out. Will also cover uh, uh, acupuncture treatments, or is, that, or is that coming out of pocket for the patients?
2: Very much like insurance coverage, it's quite variable. We're certainly in California seeing more and more carriers provide acupuncture uh, coverage, not only just for infertility, but for acupuncture for other medical conditions. So as with any insurance, I think patients always want to check with their provider, their insurance company, they may be quite pleasantly surprised that they will have acupuncture coverage. Now the coverage may not be as many sessions as the acupuncturists suggest, but we're clearly seeing, uh, at least in California, again, uh, great interest in increased insurance coverage with acupuncture. The average acupuncture session, if you pay cash, could be somewhere around 100 to
1: $150. Okay. So and that's per session? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if we're speaking of if there's any downside, that might be a downside. All right. Now, um Let's move on to kind of what falls under the general rubric, Chinese medicine. That's such a general term. What what kind of – what falls under that? Well, if you look at
2: traditional Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine you want to look at as a whole system of health care. It's an ancient system, some 5,000 years old. And traditional Chinese medicine or Chinese medicine really looks at the whole person and doesn't treat a specific disease, or, but really treats the person. With a general thought, is to get the body back in its proper balance. If we think about it, our bodies have an incredible innate ability to heal themselves. And by changing things in our lifestyle, our diet, and by adjusting, and again, if you think of traditional Chinese medicine, a great deal of what they talk about is regaining balance and bringing things back into harmony. Acupuncture is simply one of those modalities in a traditional Chinese medicine model. Acupuncture is added to lifestyle, herbs, and other modalities. It's not usually a single treatment.
1: Uh, and when you say uh, lifestyle, what would you what, what falls under that?
2: Um, diet, physical activity, habits. Tobacco, alcohol, uh, environmental exposures.
1: Okay, so and so all of that would be evaluated um, when you were under traditional Chinese medicine. Exactly. Um, right. Okay. Um, and you. Uh, well, let me take a second just to say that for people who are interested in in more information. Uh, one of the things that uh creating a family does our mission is to provide unbiased and medically accurate education and support for those suffering from infertility and we have and uh we have done a number of podcasts, uh radio show podcasts on various alternative treatments for infertility such as can diet affect i v f success complementary care nutrition, acupuncture, and counseling, yoga, nutrition, and acupuncture. We've done a number of shows, and they are including uh, some on traditional Chinese medicine to treat infertility. And they are listed on our alternative complementary medicine and infertility page. You can get there by going to the blue horizontal menu at the top of our site, hover over the word infertility Uh, Click on resources and go to alternative treatment, alternative slash complementary treatment. All right, um, let's talk uh, very briefly then about diet. Um, What is there a specific type of diet of things that you should either include or exclude if you are uh, having trouble getting pregnant?
2: I mean, it's a, a, an excellent question. Uh, I'm going to give you what I think is our current knowledge at this point in time, but stay tuned. It will probably change again. Uh, <laughs> just like we know the no fat, uh, low fat, back to now normal fat is okay in milk. Um, yeah, I think when we look at fertility and diet, there's been a lot of things proposed. And, and what we do know is, is certain diets do appear to improve fertility especially diets rich in fruits and vegetables. Um, Diets that may have some reduction in in animal protein and increased plant protein have been associated with improved fertility. Um, You said a
1: reduction in animal protein. Is that what you said?
2: Yes, exactly. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Um, We know, for example, that if there's male factor fertility, um, increasing um, the diet in products that might be high in zinc, Um, or antioxidants, and vitamin B uh, complex may actually help with sperm production. So I think diet can be extremely important as an adjuvant. Diet alone will probably not cure most patients' fertility issues. So what I suggest to patients is really a variation on the Mediterranean uh, diet or what we call the anti-inflammatory diet, which is a diet that is rich in, in, in plant-based uh, fruits and vegetables, reduced in, in saturated fats, and looking at using uh, whole grains rather than refined grains or processed foods.
1: So, from a from a diet standpoint, it would really fall into what we would consider it's it, well, really kind of across the board now for most medical issues, isn't that? Where some of the strongest and I'm not talking weight control because that's a whole other issue but um but from a, um isn't most of the research on disease prevention now falling into the um mediterranean diet uh diet with moderate uh, uh animal protein as a uh as an adjunct to the the main focus being fruit and vegetables is
2: absolutely that,
1: hmm. so I guess it comes as no surprise that uh, that diet would also, because it's it's good for the rest of your body, would uh, increase uh, your uh, if you're struggling to get pregnant would increase your odds of success.
2: Absolutely, and then there are, there are patient populations where, where dietary suggestions can be quite helpful, especially patients with polycystic ovary syndrome who who may suffer from insulin resistance or obesity. Clearly, uh, adapting a, a diet higher in fruits and vegetables, reducing some of the animal uh, fats and saturated proteins, reducing refined uh, sugars and processed foods, can actually help with their uh, modulate their insulin, improve their insulin sensitivity, help with weight loss, which can subsequently lead to resumption of normal periods and ovulation without medication.
1: What about alcohol? Um, uh alcohol in moderation and I'm not speaking for when you are pregnant I'm just talking about if you're struggling to get pregnant
2: Absolutely you know uh, there are a couple well done studies now that we can draw upon alcohol consumption and and look at and say what is moderate alcohol consumption or what, what might be considered safe prior to pregnancy uh, one of the best studies that I have seen uh, looked at patients undergoing IVF and they looked at alcohol consumption the month before the couple started their IVF treatment. And they defined uh, an alcoholic beverage as one beer, one glass of wine, one hard drink. And what they found is in women who consumed more than four alcoholic beverages a week in the month prior to their IVF cycle, they had an 18% reduction in pregnancy rate. And if their partner also consumed four or more drinks a week, it went to 22%. So there's at least one I think well-done study that shows alcohol consumption of more than four beverages a week a month before IVF or conception can actually negatively influence the outcome of pregnancy in both the man and the woman.
1: Okay. So and that was a um that was actually a fairly recent study, wasn't it?
2: Yes, it was uh, I think now probably 2 years ago or so.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember. And it's see. one of the
2: largest and best studies we have. Now, it's using IVF as a model, but again, at least we have that model and a timing to look at. It makes sense to me that alcohol consumption above that level might be harmful. We know that sperm production can take 75 to 90 days to to complete, and actually, we're learning more and more that the eggs that we actually release in a given month don't just wake up a few days before um, ovulation, but there's probably, even for the eggs, a two- to three-month lag time as they begin to awaken and go through the maturation process to ovulation. So I do advise my patients that uh, alcohol consumption should be under four beverages a week.
1: Um, Is it... Has there been
2: any... go ahead. No no consumption.
1: (laughs) Well, um, that was my question. There have been some uh, in some health studies. They find that moderate, and, and as you point out, moderate is defined uh, differently depending on the study. In this case, let's say the four drinks a day. Uh, that 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 the outcome for people who do drink limited amounts is actually better than those who abstain completely. Has that held up? In did, did the study you're referring to? Did it uh, did it have a control group of those who drank nothing and see how that compared?
2: They actually they did have they the, the control group <laughs> was less than four, so they didn't have abstinence. They had less abstinence, than four, right. and it was four beverages a week, not per day.
1: Oh, did I say per day? Yes, four. <laughs> we would
2: all consider heavy consumption.
1: I think yes. Yeah, I recall that being blotted. Um, all right. That, yes, the uh, Freudian slip on that part. They, uh yes, per week is what I meant uh all right, so now we were going we were speaking about Chinese medicine in general. And we had talked about diet being one aspect of that acupuncture being another, and that that it, it uh, but but that there are also herbs and other uh aspects to the the holistic approach of traditional Chinese medicine. What do we mean by herbs and and how does that differ from uh other supplements. So maybe we should talk about supplements and herbs, starting with herbs.
2: Well, I think we should we should include herbs with supplements because there's certainly a number of herbs that are used as supplements for right. a number of medical conditions. In the traditional Chinese medicine model, uh, the practitioner will assess the, assess the patient, look at what is and is not in balance, and then try to bring back things into balance. By using lifestyle, uh, they may make dietary suggestions. Um, one of the common ones is to avoid cold, to perhaps use warming foods in a certain situation, avoid certain food types, um, and then to add herbal preparations. Now, these herbal preparations are usually individualized by the traditional Chinese medicine practitioner or herbalist to the particular patient in a set of, of, of criteria they feel would most benefit the patient so when you talk about traditional chinese medicine and herbs it really is an art form of the herbalist combining and, and mixing a number of different herbs where you go to the supplement uh, portion of our grocery stores or pharmacies now most of the herbs are singly packaged or an extract of some compound of an herb
1: exactly and then it's not and 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 it's often in very high doses by itself not in conjunction with anything else.
2: That's actually correct. And and one of the, certainly the criticisms of that is that it may be the combination of all the compounds. In fact, it probably is in many cases all the compounds within an herb or plant working together or in harmony that gives benefit as compared to our reductionist Western model where we have to take everything down to one molecule and use it as a drug.
1: Uh, yeah, and that some of the supplementation, and, and is that just a Western approach? Because some of our supplementation really does seem to me an uh, uh, approach where it becomes the equivalent of a drug because of the quantity, that uh, the concentration. Is that a uniquely Western approach to if a little bit's good, a lot's better?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. We're yeah. supersizing our herbs and our supplements. <laughs>
1: I like that. Yes, uh, in my family, we used to always say that that was my father's approach to everything in life. If uh, if, if one aspirin is good, by golly, take four. Uh, and so, if a uh, three ounce steak was good, my eight ounce was better, or sixteen ounce was better. So uh, yeah, yeah. So we're now supersizing our supplements. Um, but I think the issue for a lot of people is how do they find a a, a traditional Chinese medicine specialist that 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 specializes in infertility? And is it necessary to find a, a doctor that specializes in infertility? Or can a generalist I do as good? From
2: a standpoint of, I think, if I can break that up into two questions, I think certainly any patient or couple who's suffering from infertility at some point is going to start with either their family physician or obstetrician gynecologist, and most likely it will be referred if they need a higher level care to a reproductive endocrinologist or a fertility specialist. So I I think any patient who's struggling for infertility should have that discussion with whoever is providing their care and, and get to a fertility specialist in a timely manner. From a standpoint of acupuncture, traditional Chinese medicine most of us who do reproductive endocrinology have relationships or, or, or communities where we have acupuncturists available. And they're actually, uh, what I tell patients to look for, is there is actually an American Board of Oriental Re- Reproductive Medicine. Um, and these are uh, uh, Oriental practitioners that have actually gone through a certification process in reproductive medicine So you would say they would be my counterpart. They would be a specialist in reproductive medicine in the field of traditional Chinese medicine. And and this is available. uh, You can ask uh, your local practitioner, your reproductive endocrinologist, or you can go online to the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine uh, for referrals.
1: I'll include a link for that in the uh, uh, blog that we uh, uh, publish tomorrow, and I will also include, if we don't have it, and we may already have that, on our uh alternative complementary medicine page um that's a great uh that is a great resource and I, I i don't know i think that there i think that that may be somewhat regionally dependent as to whether or not every infertility clinic has a relationship with a uh, uh a Chinese medicine specialist. I'm not sure that that would hold up. Um, throughout the US but I have no doubt that it does hold up in California or at least where you practice. Absolutely. I'm, I'm blessed
2: to have a a wonderful group of uh, traditional Chinese medicine practitioners in the Bay Area.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in your practice, now what you are the head of an integrative medicine department uh at Reproductive uh Science Oh, just Reproductive Science Center of the Bay Area. So do you do uh alternative or complementary medicines there or you simply do an overview and refer out? I, I do a combination.
2: Um I actually uh do intake exams, uh history physical and, and uh, integrative medicine history and uh, is usually If it's comprehensive, it could be anywhere from a 10- to 16-page questionnaire to begin with where we look at uh, every aspect of one's life and lifestyle. Um, Then I also would manage using both conventional Western medicine or allopathic medicine and add supplements. If I have a patient who I think would benefit, and I suggest to all my patients an acupuncture consult if necessary, for their situation, I would refer them to somebody who is a a certified licensed and trained acupuncturist. I myself do not perform acupuncture. In the same way, uh, many of my patients can very much um, get valuable help with uh, mind-body approaches. So I have a group of individuals who uh, are yoga, meditation, Um, MBSR. So I have a number of resources in the community that I would refer the patient to that would be part of an integrative process. My job really is to quarterback and make sure that we're getting the patient all the modalities available that will give them their best chance, again, not only for a successful outcome for pregnancy, but also to, to help them through this difficult process.
1: Yeah, across the board. You are listening to Creating a Family. We primarily keep in touch with our audience through our twice-weekly e-newsletters. We let you know about the latest developments in infertility and adoption, as well as the upcoming week's blog and show topic. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter at creatingafamily.org on the left-hand side of the page, and we would love to have you be a part of it. Um, Have you found that... uh, that your patients that are uh utilizing complementary treatments and we'll talk about some others in, in the but, uh, but but just the whole host of things that you might recommend be they chinese medicine be it yoga be it uh meditation or uh, uh acupuncture or whatever have you found that they need less uh for some of the fertility medications to get the same benefit and in specific I'm thinking of the ovulatory stimulation drugs that we utilize um and have there been any studies that show that uh that less medication of less of the ovulatory stimulation the gonadotropins and things um are needed for people who are utilizing complementary treatments
2: uh, that's a, a wide way of looking at a, an issue, and what I mean by that is if you look at acupuncture itself, there are a few studies that show utilization of medication is reduced. Uh, there are some studies that using certain supplements. Uh, myonositol is one that comes to mind that have shown reduction in the use of gonadotropin, the medications we use for an IVF cycle. But it's really kind of spattered across the board, so you can't make a general statement Certainly, there are patients, and the patients I think probably the benefit the most, again, would be the patients who may be insulin resistant, um, who with a dietary or supplements can actually improve their insulin sensitivity and re- improve their responsiveness to medicine. Um, with some of the supplements, there's been a lot of interest in DHEA, which is a supplement used for patients that may have reduced ovarian response or diminished ovarian reserve. And there is literature, although it... Not the most robust to show that patients using DHEA may actually improve show an improvement to ovulation induction medicines and an improved yield of eggs. So I think, as a general statement, yes, there's evidence that some of these modalities help.
1: What is DHEA and and which and is it just uh, should it be considered as something to automatically try before uh, you move into uh, the bigger guns of the gonadotropins are. Uh, is it only effective for certain patients?
2: Well, DHEA is dehydroepiandrosterone, which is a, a, a hormone produced by our adrenal gland, a little gland that sits on top of our uh, kidney. And both men and women make DHEA. What we've observed is DHEA does seem to reduce uh, its per its production as we go through our life. And there's been observational studies in small clinical trials that show patients with diminished reserve, and this is primarily in patients that have undergone IVF, who've had poor or low response to medicine, by adding DHEA starting two to three months before their stimulation cycle does appear to improve their responsiveness to medications and does improve egg yield. What's unclear is whether DHEA will actually improve pregnancy outcome. There's a couple small studies that show it does, and there are a couple studies that show no improvement in pregnancy rate. So I don't suggest patients go out and start DHEA just because it's been utilized. I think they really need to sit down with their practitioner and look at their hormonal situation and decide, is this something that may be an adjuvant or a supplement that would be beneficial?
1: Okay, so it is not recommended, kind of as a universal something to go out and take without having um, first spoken with a doctor. You mentioned something. Uh, oh gosh, I don't know if I can pronounce it now. My my my. Myonostol. Yeah. yeah. Spell that for us. <laughs> oh God. Okay, now that was almost me mean, on wasn't ways.
2: it? No, it's M Y O I N I S T O L. Myo-inositol is a sugar-like compound in the vitamin B complex that has been used quite extensively in Europe to help with patients with polycystic ovary syndrome mm-hmm. uh, to help improve insulin sensitivity and ovulation, and there's an increasing interest in, in using that also along with in vitro fertilization to perhaps improve egg quality. There are some animal studies that show myo-inositol may improve The environment that the uh, oocyte or egg is developing in, and then hopefully that would relate to improved egg quality, embryo quality, and pregnancy rates. That data is still uh, uncertain.
1: Okay, and again, but then we would wonder: is there any uh, is there any evidence that would say that there would be a downside to? Yeah, so that's a great question.
2: I'm sorry. Uh, Maiansol is no, no. a very safe compound. Um, in the usual clinical doses that we use, it really is devoid of any significant, if any, side effects. Um, or you know, it appears non-toxic. Um, and again, many of these supplements are very safe if used in the usual therapeutic dose. But going back to our conversation earlier, a little's good, a lot's not always better.
1: Yeah and that's uh and trying to get people to uh, especially because it's, so much of this is unregulated i would assume that you could uh, buy this over the counter at any uh, health food type store is yeah, that correct, correct. yes
2: yes yeah. myonositol um there is now a proprietary compound that's actually now available in the united states non prescription that's similar to the compound that's been used in um europe but you can go online or to any of the, the pharmacies or the the whole whole-food type of stores and buy myelonositol. The key is to know what what compound you're receiving, what is its purity in production, and and what is the proper dose. And and that's where an integrative practitioner or a traditional Chinese practitioner can really help yield the information the patient needs. Just to go to the pharmacy and start picking things off the shelf, probably not the best way to go, especially for these dietary supplements and fertility
1: what uh, yeah and i i wholeheartedly <laughs> I think you're i mean i just common sense tells me that uh it, it's one of those interesting things if you really if you believe in the efficacy of any of these supplements, then it makes sense to to approach them with caution and it's like we we people it's it, there's a uh, a disconnect there they believe in the effectiveness and yet they don't the, the caution part it's it seems not to make sense to me because if you believe in the effectiveness of them, then you would want to approach them with caution because it means that they are they're they're active in your system and they are changing something, therefore you would want to approach it with caution
0: absolutely
1: but, uh, that's the doesn't seem to be the necessarily the the take home that from a lot of people um what other supplements? Uh, are you getting asked about a lot uh, from your patients, or or what other supplements are currently being researched?
2: Uh, probably the hottest ones that we're seeing right now. One is called Coenzyme Q10. You may have heard of CoQ10. Huh. Mm-hmm. CoQ10 is a is a very interesting um, chemical. Um, it's also known as ubiquinone. Um, and it's it's been used for a variety of different medical conditions w- with good efficacy. Uh, the thought is that with aging, mitochondria, which are small organelles within our cells, their function declines. And by adding or using additional amounts of CoQ10, this may help the mitochondrial function. Why is that important? Mitochondria are really the energy-producing organelles of our cells. So if we have reduced energy, it affects how the cell functions. So the thought is that by increasing mitochondrial function, we're going to help improve egg quality. We actually may uh, increase the environment that the egg is developing to help it improve. And there's even a few animal studies that show that CoQ10 may actually improve embryo quality. So CoQ10 is one of the supplements right now, there's a lot of interest in, in, the, in the infertility field. Um, most of the data had been in men, but there's now small studies coming out in women showing CoQ10 does seem to improve response to medication and may actually improve egg quality.
1: Going back to the question I've been asking for each of these, is there a downside to trying it, even though, as you point out, there's not a lot of uh, the studies that are coming out are relatively small?
2: Again, CoQ10 is very safe in commonly prescribed doses. The usual dose is around 600 milligrams a day in divided doses. Not a lot of side effects. The most common ones would be some nausea or stomach upset. Some patients will get headache and insomnia. High dose uh, CoQ10 has been associated with some some medical complications, but it's primarily been where the complications have been, or in patients with heart disease, where the CoQ10 is being used for heart conditions. So it is a very safe medication um, if used in the, in the proper doses. Um, and again, I think the quality of the compound, where you get it from, its sourcing and its dosing is very important, and that's something your practitioner should be able to help guide the patient to what is mm-hmm. the best product for them.
1: You know, CoQ10 is being tested. There's a lot of research going on and, and just a whole host of medical uh, uh conditions. Um what else is it being primarily prescribed for? It's been pr- primarily prescribed for people with uh,
2: heart failure, but it, it's also there's a lot of interest in in using it for aging and anti-aging. Um yeah,
1: and joint this, and joints, isn't it in uh, I'm a runner, and I, I keep hearing people. Talk, I think it's CoQ10 that people are talking about that keep our joints from. Um, you may be uh, thinking curating. of chondroitin.
2: You may be thinking of chondroitin
1: for joints. I am, but I thought yeah, that 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 as well. Maybe I'm wrong. CoQ10. There, there I just know a lot of runners who are taking it.
2: Yeah the, the 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 areas where the most information at least so far has been heart disease congestive heart failure high blood pressure there's some evidence that it helps with the management of diabetics and certain neurologic disorders certainly again it it certainly could be used for you know arthritic or joint issues I'm not aware of that
1: literature well, it doesn't mean just because I know people taking it. It does not mean that it's supported by the literature. <laughs>
2: well, it's Sorry. a hot anti-aging uh, compound right now.
1: Well, and, 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 yeah, well, that's probably where I'm hearing it, yeah. Uh, 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 runners who are getting older and are uh, trying to uh, avoid the uh, uh, downside of, of getting older. All right, moving on to uh, uh, other kind of mind-body uh, uh, practices. Uh, and in specific, the one I want to start with uh, is yoga. Um, we think of yoga as, uh, you know, as, as certainly from, uh, it could be a very athletic and, and certainly from a muscle building and flexibility standpoint, but can it go further than that um, and uh, affect if there been any research that would indicate that it improves fertility?
2: There, there is some research on that, and if you think of yoga, yoga is really a, it's a form of meditation. It's a, a movement meditation, and it really combines meditation, movement, physical activity, and breathing. And we know that, for example, breath work, which is a very key component of yoga, can be very helpful to as a stress management tool. Um, and the studies that have been done show that yoga can, in fact, increase blood circulation. There's some studies that show it may help bring some hormones into balance. Um, and it certainly, uh, from a stress reduction standpoint, we know that stress reduction or stress management can help improve fertility.
1: Um, is there are many different types of of yoga, and with with and with a fairly uh, a surprising degree of difference in in their philosophy. There's, you know, the, the Bikram yoga. There's Iyengar. There's just a whole different. There are many different types of yoga. Um, does the uh, have any of the studies indicated a specific type of yoga that is more helpful than others? I don't think
2: no one has actually unfortunately done a study where we've been able to compare four or five different techniques side to side, but the general thought is to use the the yogas that are the more gentle using um, a greater deal of breath work, meditation, and slow, simple movements rather than some of the more active forms.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: In other words, uh, ones that may bring, bring calming to the body.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because some of the some of the yoga I've done is not particularly on the calming side.
2: No, it's it's pretty uh it's it's pretty active.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um what about uh, I love massage. I just to me massage is just heaven. Um uh, is there any other than the fact that it makes you feel good and it's it's a stress reduction? Is there any indication that uh that it can improve fertility when used in combination with uh, traditional fertility treatment? I think, again, you really hit
2: the, the, nail on the, the nail on the head with the concept of think about how relaxed people feel after um, a nice massage. It's another mind-body relaxation technique, and we know that mind-body treatment techniques help reduce stress, they can um, help manage stress, and there are a number of studies that show that we do see improved fertility rates, pregnancy rates either natural or through treatment with these mind-body techniques. So I look at, um, if you would, any of these mind-body techniques, such as yoga, um, such as meditation, such as massage, as having benefit um, to stress management and reduction, which will improve response to medications probably, improve pregnancy rates in some studies, and clearly bring people psychological improvement and a sense of control.
1: You know, stress management's an interesting. It's it's a it's a double-edged sword because when people are infertile, they are stressed, and the the when told that their stress is is uh exacerbating their infertility, it just adds stress. So we oftentimes stress, pardon the overuse of a word there, uh, that, that infertility is a disease and that it's not, it's, you know, that stress, although may impact it, it's not, one doesn't need to stress over the stress, so to speak. How important is stress? How do we walk that balance for those of us who are in the education and, in particular, the support end of the patient community? Well, I think
2: stress clearly, we know, affects our bodies in many ways, and fertility is just one of them. Um, If we look in in patients with infertility, there are studies that show up to 30 to 50% of women at some time during fertility um, diagnosis and treatment will start to show depressive symptoms or Mm -hmm. or have depression afterwards. So I think we have to recognize that infertility for both men and women is a very upsetting uh, time in their life, in fact, there are a couple of studies that show infertile women report uh, equivalent levels of anxiety and depression to patients who have been recently diagnosed with HIV or cancer, and that's a pretty yeah, strong uh, statement if you think about it.
1: Yeah, Ali Domar has been on the show a number, quite a few absolutely. times. Absolutely, she has. She's the one who did a lot of that, and she has talked about uh, that. Uh, absolutely, does not surprise me at all.
2: And I think what we need to do is, as healthcare professionals is recognize. That that stress, one, we contribute to the stress by the the testing and the treatment and the appointments that our patients go through as well as the medicines and the potential side effects, but also uh, be able to to listen to the patients and help them find tools for stress management. A lot of people talk about stress reduction. I'm not sure we're really good at stress reduction in our day-to-day life. I think we're probably better in trying to find tools to manage it because stresses are always going to come into our lives.
1: Yeah, um, for sure. Um, And what are the better tools, uh, in your opinion, for managing stress in general and infertility stress in particular? Well,
2: I think our best uh, information is again from Alice Delmar, who's done some incredible work. Um, And if you look at her mind-body support groups that she's done um, in Massachusetts, they are just absolutely wonderful. So i suggest to all my patients uh, to enroll in an m s b r class They're usually eight week classes they're available pretty much across the country um they can what is
1: MSBR? In- give us the, uh, tell us what that
2: is mindfulness-based, mindfulness based mindfulness mindfulness based stress reduction
1: m b s r okay
2: and uh, it's really a wonderful tool or technique for dealing with with the daily stresses and also the stress of infertility. And 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 Dr. Gilmar has really done some wonderful work to show that they do see improvement um, in pregnancy rates, uh, follow up rates one year after going through a, a class. Where in patients who used mind body was 55 percent. In just using support or other mind-body was 54% and in 20% in controls. And these were people that, uh, you know, had gone through an MBSR class and within a year had become pregnant. So they showed over a two-fold improvement in pregnancy rates within a year. They also noticed the patients felt better. They felt more control. They felt less psychological symptoms, less depression and anger, which is obviously very important. So I'm a, I'm a great advocate of, of the mindfulness-based stress reduction programs yoga, um, meditation, or other forms of relaxation.
1: You are listening to Creating a Family. Creating a Family has the largest social networks in the areas of infertility. Um, You can connect with us on Twitter. There are two ways, Dawn Davenport 1 and Creating a Family. Both are ways to connect with us. On Facebook, there are three ways, Dawn.Davenport 1, and that's connecting with me. We also have Creating a Family, uh, page, and a Creating a Family support group. Uh, and you can find both of those by typing in the words uh, Creating a Family in the Facebook search box, and it pops up. Uh, we are relatively new on Google+. Plus. Uh, we would love to uh, reach out with you there if you're on that uh, network. Uh, again, uh, Dawn Davenport or Creating a Family. We have two presents, and we have a very large presence on Pinterest, uh, at creating a family, and that happens to be a really fun place to hang out. Lots and lots of support and education and, and fun stuff happening over there. You know, one of the things, uh, Dr. Scarlotta, that you said about, you know, that, that much of what we've talked about, uh, be it, uh, uh, the, uh, acupuncture or the yoga or the meditation, that it, it makes patients. Feel better and and by and, and feel more in control, and there is some evidence that it also improves all of these improve pregnancy rates, um, and and I think all the studies you've talked about have been in conjunction with uh, IVF. Um, and it occurs to me that that you know one of the the issues with infertility is the both the stress as well as the depression of infertility can last a long time, even subsequent to a successful uh, pregnancy and birth or uh, subsequent, uh, uh, becoming a parent through adoption. And I'm wondering if there's been uh, any research on kind of the long-term effect of some of these, specifically the acupuncture and the yoga and the meditation and the other mind-body uh, type of things, on long-term improvements and how people do five, six, seven, eight years down the road because stress and and depression affect parenting as well.
2: Absolutely. I'm not aware of any long-term follow-up studies for either traditional Chinese medicine for acupuncture. If we look at mind-body techniques, there have been some short-term studies that do show, again, that um, depression and anxiety is reduced. Long-term follow-ups... I'm not aware that there's any literature now. Again, there probably is in the psychological literature that I'm not versed in. But it makes sense that if we treat and help patients with tools to manage their distress while they're going through fertility, that those tools will help them after. Once a patient's been infertile, one of the sayings is they're always infertile, even when they've been successful, whether it's through treatment or uh, third party or adoption.
1: Yeah, I think that that certainly... um, it, we have a, of course, most of our audience is the patient community, and we certainly see that. So, for our listeners who are are, are listening in and wondering what how they can uh, approach uh, from a more whole body standpoint their infertility, what if a patient comes to you, what? And I realize that you this we're just having to speak in generalities because obviously it would depend upon the patient and the diagnosis and many other things, but. What what are the different components, the different modalities of treatment that you feel most people need to look at and set up a a whole person plan that would incorporate them?
2: Uh, it's a wonderful question. I, I always tell patients at the first visit, when we put together a treatment plan, we want to look at all the available options or modalities available in both you know, conventional medicine and then look beyond that, and, and that includes medical treatment, third-party and adoption, from a family building standpoint, but from a from a, a more wide view, we want to look at that whole person and find out what we can do to improve lifestyle, diet, exercise, uh, self image, and then give them stress management tools.
1: All right. So those are the uh, lifestyle, diet, exercise, and stress management are the are the universals that you would look at for for everyone. What about the uh, going a little further and saying acupuncture and other forms of traditional Chinese medicine? Is that also a universal that everyone should at least have a workup to consider, or is that more dependent upon a specific diagnosis or a specific patient?
2: I think more and more we're finding it's universal, and I, and I discuss acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine with I would say almost all my patients at the first visit. Again, there are some variations on why I might not do that um certainly i think it's a whole whole system uh approach to healthcare somewhat to that of integrative medicine with integrative medicine we're trying to look at the whole person not just a disease or a specific diagnosis um and i think for many patients um introducing that concept is helpful there is a lot of good acupuncture treatment available the difficulty with acupuncture at least looking at the literature almost all of it is biased toward the research in IVF. There are clearly patients I think benefit from acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine that don't need IVF. So I do discuss that with all patients. Fill them out to see where they're at at that particular time and how open they are uh, Mm -hmm. to complementary therapies. One of the things you have to remember about any therapy is, you know, how open is the patient to it and are willing to consider that
1: for them. Yeah, exactly, because if, if they're going in with a great deal of resistance, then it probably, then, then you have to almost argue, is it really, is it going to be a fair chance for, uh, for the treatment to work? Um, Thank you so much, Dr. Carmela Scarlotta, for being our guest today on Creating a Family. I'd like to take a moment right now to thank one more gold sponsor. It is through their generous support that we brought you this show and all the resources we have at Creating a Family. Fairfax Cryobank has been a leader in sperm donation for over 20 years and is dedicated to supplying updated, verified, and accurate medical and personal information on their donors. If you want to participate in a discussion on the topics of this show, check out my blog tomorrow at creatingafamily.org dot org slash blog. If you would like more information about Dr. Scarlotta or on the reproductive center, no, reproductive science center, I had the hardest time with that, of the Bay Area, uh, as well as his integrative medicine program, or there, I should say, their integrative medicine program. You can go to their website, which is R S C Bay Area. Dot com. Dr. Scalata, is there another way to, to better uh, reach the integrative medicine, or is it, uh, can they go to rscbayarea.com and, and then um, um, find, uh, get more information there?
2: That, that would be the best approach. There's a number of different educational opportunities and, and links for additional information about our center, or if somebody would like to inquire about an appointment, there are a number of links. So that would be the best way
0: to go.
1: Okay, great. Thank you so much, everyone. I will see you
0: next week. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the...